Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Well, good morning. My name is Andrew Brown. I am the director of youth ministry here at New Life. And a few years ago, I came down with a sinus infection. When I went to the doctor, he started asking me all sorts of diagnostic questions. You know, are you feeling pressure in your ears? Are you waking up with phlegm in your mouth? Are you experiencing any other kinds of symptoms? Now, the doctor asked these questions to determine my health, to see what kind of condition I was in. And while we're not doctors, we can do the same sort of thing in our relationship with the Lord. We can ask diagnostic questions to determine our own spiritual health. And one of the major areas we need to consider, one of the major areas we need to ask questions about is our response to God's word. How we respond to the Bible will tell us much about the condition we are in. So this morning as we continue our series on the book of James entitled The Undivided Life, we're going to encounter three diagnostic questions about God's word. And these three questions will help us determine the state of our souls. And so you might consider this morning something like a spiritual checkup, just to check in on how you're doing spiritually. So if you have your Bible, why don't you flip over now to James chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, didn't bring one with you this morning, there should be one in one of the chairs in front of you. And that is uh, the passage we're going to be looking at today is on page 586. This is James chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he himself, he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all his doing. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would come now and you would speak through your Holy Spirit to us. Work in us in ways that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, the first question you need to ask yourself when considering your spiritual health is pretty basic. Are you alive? Do you have a pulse? Or as we might consider or suppose that James would say it, have you been born again by the word? Have you been 
born again by the word. True spiritual life does not come by climbing a mountain or practicing meditation. We don't get it by reading different philosophies or spending time in nature. True spiritual life comes through the word of God. Look at what James says in verse 18 here. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So that little phrase, brought us forth, is actually one word in Greek, and it literally means gives birth to. In fact, many versions of the Bible translate it this way. For instance, the NIV translates it, God chose to give us birth through his word. But you know, that's a strange picture, right? God chose to give us birth through his word. What exactly does that mean? Well, to help us understand it, I think we need to go back a little bit. We need to jump back up in James to verse 15. So if you have a Bible, look at verse 15. If you were here last time I preached, you'll remember that we talked about how we shouldn't blame God for our temptations to sin because it's our own inward desires that gives birth to sin. There's that word again. And brings forth death. And so now, when we look at verse 18 here, we see that James is making a contrast with that verse. And he's saying that we, our desires, bring forth sin and death. But God's desires are very different. God's desires bring forth life. And the life that God brings into existence is not just physical life, but is also spiritual life. The process of bringing about spiritual life is described in many different ways in the Bible. Sometimes it's referred to as uh, getting a new heart or becoming a new creation or as we see in this verse, being born again. All of these ideas though are pointing to the same basic concept and the theological word we use to describe that is regeneration. Regeneration. A quick definition for regeneration is a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life. Regeneration, a secret act of God, which he imparts new spiritual life. So it's secret because it's something that God does inside of us. We don't share in the process. Look at verse 18 there. It says, of his own will he brought us forth. Of his own will he gave birth to us. And so the idea goes here that just as we don't choose to be physically born, it's something that's out of our control, so also we don't choose to be spiritually born. This is something God does in us. This is something that God wills to happen. But notice how God wills to bring about this spiritual life. It's through the word of truth. God's word is the thing that brings life. God speaks and something that was not there suddenly comes into existence. This is very similar to the beginning of creation. The universe was without form and void, but then God spoke, God said, let there be light, and suddenly light came, and life followed. God's word of truth brought life. Another example is to think of Lazarus. He's been dead for three days, and yet when Jesus comes and he speaks, he says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus is alive suddenly. And he comes out. He walks out of the tomb. Again, God's word of truth brings life. Now, both of these events are reflective of what happens in regeneration. God speaks life into your soul. His word of truth 
creates something new. Before regeneration, you don't have spiritual life. You're dead in your sins. You have no desire for God, no desire to let him rule your life. But then God speaks, and he speaks life into your soul. He gives you new birth, and everything changes. Suddenly, you have an interest in spiritual things. Where you had no desire to read the Bible before, now you want to hear God's word. You want to pray. Suddenly you want to go to church and it's not boring anymore for you because you have life inside of you. You suddenly want to obey Jesus and follow him. This is what happens when God gives new birth to you, when he gives you spiritual life. Now, it is important to pause here, and I know we're getting a little theological here with these things. I'm, I promise we'll get to some more application-centered things in a little bit, but we've got to understand this first. So let me pause here and say that God only gives new birth in connection with faith. Regeneration logically occurs before faith, but it never occurs apart from faith. So this is the way it kind of works. God speaks life into your soul. Another way to say that is he opens the eyes of your heart, that's regeneration. And then suddenly, once God does that, you see Jesus for who he is. You see him for how magnificent and glorious and wonderful he is, and you put your faith in him. You believe in him. You trust him. And so what we see there is faith and regeneration are, are basically inseparable. But while you can see faith, you can't see regeneration. But you can see its effects. It's kind of like electricity. When you flip a light uh, when you go into a room and flip a light switch, you don't see electricity moving up the wall and then over to the ceiling, but you do see the effects of the electricity. You are able to tell if the electricity is working. Well, it's the same with regeneration and faith. The best indicator that you have been born again, that you have spiritual life, is that you've turned from your sins. It's that you've believed and trusted in Jesus' work on the cross for you. It's that you've given your life to Christ and you are following him now. So this morning, as you evaluate your spiritual condition, the first diagnostic question for you to consider is, has this ever happened to you? Has this new birth ever occurred to you? Has the light of the gospel ever been switched in your heart? Have you been born again by responding to God's word in faith? If it hasn't happened, then today could be the day that it does. Isn't that good news? Today could be the day where that happens. Today, if you hear God's voice, if you sense him calling you to repent of your sins, turn and embrace Jesus. Don't harden your heart against God. Believe, turn from your sins, and be saved. But if that's not the case for you, if this has happened, if you have been born again by the word of truth, then I'd encourage you to rejoice I encourage you to remember and reflect anew how glorious this really is. There was nothing in your heart that wanted God, and God came and changed you. He did a miracle in your heart. Reflect on how wonderful and glorious that is, that God did that for you. He didn't have to do that for you, and yet he did. But also something we should recognize here is that we have been born again. If you have been born again, you've been born again for a reason, for a purpose. Look back at the second half of verse 18 there. God gave us new life for something in order that we Christians should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And what that means is that regeneration is the first taste 
of the new heavens and the new earth. Believers are the first of God's creatures to experience a foretaste of the coming kingdom. In a way, our new life in Christ is the future breaking into the present. It's both a sign of the things to come and the beginning of things to come. But that means that we have a responsibility as believers to embody the ethics of that future kingdom in the present right now. Our lives should be like signs pointing people to the joy, the peace, the mercy, the righteousness of the kingdom of Christ. We are to be the people who do the will of our Father on earth as it is in heaven. Now I know that that's quite a responsibility. And I know that we personally won't always do that perfectly or even very well sometimes. But we certainly will not do that. It will not even begin to take place in our lives if we fail the next diagnostic question, the next response to God's word. Do you humbly receive the word? First, have you been born again by the word? Secondly, do you humbly receive the word? Look at verses 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So notice that little phrase there in verse 21, the implanted word. I believe that's what we've just been talking about. I think that's regeneration. I think that's what's going on here. God has implanted his word of life in us. He's given us new hearts, new passions, new lives. But then, look at what James commands us to do next. We are to receive with meekness the implanted word. Well, what does that mean? How do I receive something that I already have? How do I receive what's already inside of me? Well, I think it works like this. God spoke his word into your soul, and he gave you new life, but to actually grow in this life, you still need to receive his word on an ongoing basis. It's kind of like a seed being planted in the ground. It has life, but if it's ever going to grow, it still needs sunlight. It still needs water for it to grow. And so for us, you might consider the Bible as God's sunlight and God's water for our souls. Even though, yes, we already do have life, we will not grow unless we're continually receiving God's word. And that's the way it's supposed to work. But unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes the seed doesn't receive what it needs because it's being blocked by something. Either, you know, tree branches have prevented the sun from getting through or weeds have grown up that soak up all the rain. The seed can't grow then until these things are removed. The same is true for us in our spiritual life. There are often branches and weeds that prevent us from receiving the word of God. And this is what James is saying there at the start of verse 1. He says, 21, verse, start of verse 21, he says, there is a filthiness and a wickedness that must be put away. It must be chopped down before we will receive the implanted word. You see, humbly receiving God's word is not just about reading the Bible. This is not about reading the Bible. It's not just about getting information into your head. 
It's about getting the truths of the gospel down from your head into your heart and then spreading to the rest of your life. But this is not going to happen if we cherish and cater to sin. When we walk in rebellion against God, it prevents you from receiving the word of truth in a life-giving way. So consider where you're at again this morning. Is there a sin that's blocking you from receiving the promises of God's word? Is there something that you're unwilling to give up, something that you're unwilling to do that's preventing you from the life that God promises? Whatever comes up in your mind when I say that might be the thing that God's bringing up in your life. But perhaps there's something else that's blocking you. Perhaps there's something else that you haven't considered before. You see, verse 21 starts with the words, therefore. So that means that this passage is tied to the ones that came before it. And what I believe that means is that part of the filthiness and the rampant wickedness that James is warning us about here and that James has in mind is the opposite of what we find in verse 19. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And I think there's a sequences of connected events occurring in those passages as well. Our inability to listen to each other often morphs into an inability to keep our mouth shut. And then that naturally morphs in an inability to control our tempers when others disagree with us. So again, think about your life. Does that describe you? Maybe this is what's blocking you from growth in your Christian life. Perhaps it's your unwillingness to listen to an opposing viewpoint. Perhaps it's your delight at yelling down your opponents or showing how superior your arguments are. Perhaps it's your fury or your rage at other people's inability to see the world as you see it. But the problem is that James tells us here in verse 20 that these things do not produce the righteousness of God. Our inability to talk to one another and our rage at those who differ from us does not produce the righteousness that God requires in us or in other people. Sure, your anger might produce political change or might preserve national freedoms. Your anger might produce ease and comfort for your tribe or it might put who you want in office, but it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You see, it's the world's view. In the world's view, it's the powerful it's those who assert themselves, those who dominate, those who shout others down, those who speak the loudest and are the quickest to get angry. And it's the world's view that says that those people will inherit the earth. But Jesus says it's the opposite. Jesus says it's the meek that will inherit the earth. It's those who are humble. It's those who will listen. It's those who will overlook offenses. It's those who are willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. And yes, being meek may mean that your opinions, your rights, your freedoms will be trampled on, but you know what you get in their place? You get something infinitely better. You get Jesus himself. You get to walk down the road of suffering alongside your Savior. 
And after all, wasn't it Jesus himself who said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And I think that's what James is saying here as well. Our anger, our assertiveness does not produce the righteousness of God. So the question then is, what does? What does produce the righteousness of God? Well, look at the end of verse 21 there. It says, when you meekly receive the word of God, it is able to save your souls. The righteousness of God is produced in us and in others through the gospel, through the righteousness of Christ, through the word of truth implanted in our hearts, meekly received, and then truly lived out. And that's our third and final diagnostic question here this morning, is are you a doer of the word? Have you been born again by the word? Do you meekly receive the word? And now are you a doer of the word? This is how James continues in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So after the word has been implanted and received, the final stage is to act. But I think oftentimes we want to kind of jump over the first two steps and just jump right to this third step. We hear people say things like, tell me what to do. That's all I need to know. Just tell me what to do. But that's not all that you need to know. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. You need to know for whom you're doing what you're doing. You need to know towards what end you're doing what what you're doing. You need to know what you believe, what you need to believe when you fail to be doing what you should be doing. And you will fail to do what God calls you to do. You see, if you jump to being a doer of the word without first being born again by the word, without first receiving the word in your hearts meekly, then all you're doing will not be a help to you, but will actually condemn you. It will not not be a work that flows out of the love that you have for Jesus or out of the grace of God but it instead will be an attempt at self-justification. So this step, this third step, must come in the right order. But don't get me wrong here either. This step still must come. You can't just read the Bible and agree with what it says. You must put into practice what you hear in the Bible. I think sometimes as Christians, we treat God's word kind of like auditing a class. We show up to hear the lecture, we want to learn the material, but we don't want to have to take the tests. We don't want to have to do the homework. We don't want to actually have to put into practice what we find in God's word. But that's actually a very, very dangerous place to be in because James warns us here that when you do that, when you're not a doer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. You're believing a lie about your own spiritual condition. You're sick, even though you might think that you're healthy. And this is what James, I believe, is referring to when he talks about looking into a mirror and forgetting what you saw. If you think about it, what does a mirror do, right? A mirror reveals things. 
But why do we use mirrors? What's the purpose in mirrors? Well, typically, we use them to reveal things that are out of place. When I was in middle school, it was like the big thing at that time to dye your hair. And so I got some Kool-Aid, some red Kool-Aid, and dyed my hair red in the morning before school. When I got to school, everybody was like looking at me and I was like, my hair must look great. Must, they must really appreciate this red hair that I have. And eventually someone came up and said, hey dude, you've got like Kool-Aid running down the back of your neck all over your ear. It's like dripping down in your shirt. It looks terrible. I went to the mirror and was like, there it is. Why didn't I look in a mirror before I came to school? I don't know. But the point is, if I would have stopped, looked in the mirror, I would have been able to see that and I would have been able to change it. A mirror reveals things that are out of place so that we can correct them. When we see that something isn't right and we don't change it, then looking in the mirror was pointless. The mirror is only, only does good to us if, we, leads us if it leads us to change. So the Bible is God's mirror for our lives. When we look intently into God's word, when we study it as we should, we will see things that are out of place in our lives, things that we need to stop doing, things that we need to start doing. And as we see these things that are out of place, we need to be doers of the word. And perhaps the place to start with becoming a doer of the word is what we talked about just a few minutes ago, being slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. When you hear those three things, if you're anything like me, I assume that as you look into that mirror, you see something that's out of place. The question is, will you go home from church today and forget what you saw in the mirror? Will you make an excuse or will you nuance yourself out of obedience? Or will you persevere, remembering what you saw in the mirror and make changes and being a doer of God's word, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and being slow to anger. And there's good news when we follow this command of the Lord. Look at verse 25. There's a promise here for obedience. But the one who looks into the perfect law, God's word, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. God blesses us as we obey his word. God rewards obedience. That doesn't mean we can earn God's love or God's acceptance. That's only through the finished work of Jesus. But it does mean that our obedience isn't for nothing. Your obedience isn't for nothing. God sees your obedience and he blesses it. And that kind of makes sense, really, when you think about it. Have you ever obeyed God and then a year later said, oh man, I really wish I wouldn't have obeyed God in that situation. I would have, wish I would have just done it my own way. That's not what happens to us. Normally, almost always, when we obey, we experience joy. We experience growth. We experience freedom. Sure, it doesn't happen always right away. But a year later, we can look back and say, it happened. God was working. He was blessing my obedience. Obedience is worth it because Jesus himself is worth it. If we love him, we will keep his commands and his commands will not be burdensome. Rather, they will be life-bringing to our soul. So today, as you consider the state of your soul, and we kind of finish up this spiritual checkup, 
What should you do if you find that you haven't been born again through the word? Or what should you do if you don't humbly receive the word? Or that you notice that you're not being a doer of the word? How should you respond? Well, the remedy is actually the same for all three of these conditions. Repent and turn to Jesus. He is the great healer and restorer of our souls, and he is the one who said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So take heart, sinners, at New Life Presbyterian Church. Jesus came for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for sending him because we have no hope whatsoever without him. Lord, please help us to respond to your, way, to your word in ways that are good for our souls and that bring glory to your name. Please fill us with your spirit to enable us to walk in obedience to your word. Lord, thank you for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.